Hello, Pittsburgh Penguins fans. Happy Friday, February 10th. For today's show, we have Annie on from Anaheim Ducks Twitter to fully preview this game against the Anaheim Ducks. 10 p.m. start time. Going to go into how the Ducks have played as of late. Who is going to go at the deadline? Who's going to stay? Maybe a coaching change at the end of the year. Going to last... Um, the last meeting that these two teams played and the keys for both teams to win this one at the Honda Center. And it's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LNR Store Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. You can visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So with that being said, I am now joined by Annie, another first time guest on the Locked On Penguins podcast. I figured we would um, get together because not only does she watch the Ducks a lot, uh, she actually went to college in Pittsburgh, and so she's watched a lot of Penguins games. So she, you know, very well versed with this team and also around the league. If you're not supporting her content, um, I think you're doing a lot of things wrong. Um, but Annie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really appreciate it. This is this game should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. I love following you on Twitter and love all your in-game tweets and uh, all your locked on locked on episodes. I tune into them. So I'm quite uh, a little starstruck. I got to be honest for coming on this show. So anytime I get to check another locked on show off the list, I'm working my way. But uh, no, I appreciate the kind words. And yes, I did take advantage of a lot of student rush deals during my time in Pittsburgh. Uh, loved my four years there. So um, I'm pumped for this game. This game is always uh, circled on my calendar. Just uh, I know we don't what twice a year, I, twice a year, we get it with uh, the home and away switch, but always one that I look forward to. So I'm pumped for tomorrow. So yeah, Penguins California road trip is here. 10 p.m. start time. I said on my Thursday episode, I love late night hockey on the East Coast. You're obviously on the West Coast. Some people in this city and around do not like late night hockey. You know what? I love it. So again, 10 p.m. start time. <laughs> Pop a Red Bull, get a Red Bull vodka, get a Diet Coke going, get a nice uh, Bailey's yeah. in your coffee and just kick back. Honestly, though, watching Ducks, having to watch the Ducks while I was in school, like, of course, I was like 18 and 20 through 22 at the time is pretty easy to do but um i mean i get it if you got work the next day like it's kind of a pain to have to stay up and you're like falling asleep at your tv like <laughs> you're like it's only the end of the second oh my gosh i got another period of this but given that it's a friday like kind of perfect i mean you if you're going out with your friends like hit up a bar that's gonna be on tv you got something to watch late night or just kick back on your couch all good all good exactly See, yeah that's and that's people the thing. Even I have a cup of coffee. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, you know, people can even have a cup of coffee. So that's exactly, well. yeah, exactly. But uh, I was looking at the games coming up this weekend, and because it's Super Bowl weekend, like mm -hmm. there's so many just thrown in, like matinee starts, but they all start at like 9, 9 30 uh, over on the West Coast. So unless you're an early bird, like you got to wake up early to watch to watch hockey in, in some cases. But, you know, it's, it's, 
the grass is always greener depending on who you are. But I. It's only one. Well, it's only for less than a week a year. So I feel like, especially the two, the Penguins have two games this weekend. They go to play the Ducks and then they go across, what, 20 minutes to go to Los Angeles to take on the Kings at Crypto.com Arena. And that's a back to back. It's not 20 minutes, but it's not. I forget how long it is. I know it's close. Um, It's close. It's close. I mean, probably like a half hour without traffic, which is never the case. So probably closer to an hour. But yeah, that's Dustin Brown's uh, statue and uh, uh, banner unveiling night. I'm pretty sure. Dustin Brown getting a statue. That is something else. But, you know. (laughs) Don't want, don't want to get too too off topic because we probably. Could do that for a episode, <laughs> I was gonna but, say you can save that for your Saturday content. For that. Yeah, I'm gonna bring that up with JD when I do the recap. But you know, second meeting between these two teams, Penguins won a very close one the last time. Annie um, Ducks took the lead late in the third period, less than five minutes to go, and it was it was scary hours. I'm like, I don't know if the Penguins are gonna come back here, and they're they're looking like. <laughs> I mean, they had the, the edge in, you know, shot attempts and scoring chances and high danger chances, but John Gibson was playing one heck of a game, probably one of his best starts of the season, but Penguins tied up with less than 20 seconds to play. Jake Gensel wins it in overtime after Trevor Zegers for some reason pass on a breakaway, which I still will not understand. Um, what do you think the Ducks can take from that game coming into this one? Because, you know, again, they, they played the Penguins a lot tougher than I thought they would, and they, they gave them fits for that game. It's so funny because the Ducks tend to, well, with the exception of a couple of teams, we won't talk about that Bruins game a couple of weeks ago. I just eliminate that from my memory. Um, but the Ducks tend to kind of rise to the occasion a lot of times this season when they play better teams. And then when it's just god-awful teams, they play like their god-awful self. But that was one thing that I really noticed about that game was just the no quit in that team. And obviously Gibby standing on his head. And, you know, he tends, you would think being a hometown guy, that would be a, a place that he would play really well. But given the past in his career, that really hasn't been the case. I think, there was, what was it, opening night? Maybe it was a couple years ago, I want to say. But, you know, the Ducks did not did not fare well at, at, at PPG. But, um. No, I think, I mean, a lot of, that was one of those games where even down when they had the lead, I just, I knew this, I knew the Penguins had been struggling, but part of me, like no lead is comfortable in hockey, especially with the Ducks. I was like, they're going to tie this. Like they're not, (laughs) we're not winning this game in regulation. And of course it was Brian Rust that tied it, Mm -hmm. which being a Notre Dame hockey fan too, that was just like the dagger in my heart. I was like, damn it. But, uh, I mean, a lot has changed uh, for the uh, – a little bit has changed for the Ducks since then. Obviously, going into tomorrow night, Troy Terry being injured in that Dallas game, and he's easily not even close, has been the Ducks' best player this season. It's the reason why he was elect. He was the Ducks' representative to the All-Star game. I know they moved uh, moved Ryan Strom up on that up on the wing with Zegris there, uh, which is great. But it'll be um, – definitely trying to fill those shoes will be difficult. Uh, but they've been playing some good hockey as of recently, uh, which is <laughs> – alarming given the fact that so much so many fans have bought in on the tank uh the the tank for Connor Bedard which was not not on my forecast going into the season but um when you're given you have a shot at a generational talent like Bedard you're kind of saying hey if we're if we're in the the bottom of the barrel here might as well take advantage um but they've seemed to have found their found their footing uh a bit at least for the last five games they have uh before the all-star break and coming out of it so We'll see. Should be interesting. Yeah, and I was, you know, looking funny enough. They, the Ducks have won five of the last ten games. They've actually won 
um, one in a row. So they actually are playing decent hockey compared, I think, to earlier where they, um, I think, and we, we discussed this on Twitter, at one time they had one regulation win in 30-something plus games. I don't even know yeah. how, that, how that was possible considering they had a ton of wins. Guess they just loved going to overtime and shootouts, but that was very weird as well. And also, I figured I would ask you this too. You know, this was a team I think a lot of people expected to take that step forward this season. You signed Frank for Toronto. You signed John Klingberg, do that deal. It was, you know, one year kind of prove it thing. If you're bad, you trade him at the deadline, which I think is what they're going to do. Um, you know, you bring in a couple other players as well. Did anyone expect them to be this bad this year, especially after last year? They were in the playoff race for the first half of last season before it all fell off. Just what happened overall that really just derailed this thing? You know, I think last season, you know, you're kind of for riding the high, like at first, everything's clicking, they're all communicating really well. And then injuries kind of start to pile, you're kind of, you know, things kind of start to level out during the season. But going into the offseason, I think everyone's, you know, kind of at least my thought was, all right, you got these young guys that have shown so much promise, so much, you know, potential here, but you're also missing a huge piece of that locker room. That's with the retirement of Ryan Getzlaff. And I think a lot of people really underestimated how much of a loss that was not only to their play on the ice, but in the locker room and everyone can kind of, I mean, if you want to attribute the fact to them not playing well to there not being a guy holding motor, I personally think that's a little stretching it there. Like that's not the reason they're not playing well is by giving a guy a letter, but I do think it's a very transitional year for this team to really figure out an identity and if, you know, kind of say, Hey, who's our core group. Let's figure out like what docs ducks hockey is going to be going forward. Cause you just lost the guy that embodied it for the last, you know, for his entire career, but wearing the C for the last 17 seasons. So which saying that makes me feel in not, not in seven, no, it wasn't 17 seasons, probably 16. I want to say, but it just makes you feel incredibly old. No, it wasn't 16 seasons. It was no, he was named the captain in 2013. No, no, not 2013. It was 20 right after Scott Niedermeyer retired. So it would be about oh, 13, 14 seasons. Okay. Yeah. That was a ballpark. Ballpark. It was fine. Right but there. I also, I mean, injuries piling up too. And you also, I think it's just a lot to put on these young guys to say, all right, this team is going to take a huge step forward. And you can expect the individual players too, but you also bring in, like you said, a lot of you bring in Frank Petrano, you bring in Ryan Strom, you have a John Klingberg, you have a Dmitry Kulikov, who apparently people think would be a nice fit in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I don't think so. But, you know, a lot of guys in that room that you know, they're getting used to a new system. They're coming from different teams and it takes a bit to find that fitting. And, you know, it, it, this season, it just, it, it took longer than anticipated. And with the trade deadline coming up and with the stage with this team is, you know, where this team is at, I think, honestly, I think the guy that expected this team to be where they are is probably Pat Verbeek, <laughs> the general Ducks general manager. Maybe not as bad, but he even said himself, he said, hey, you look at the past, you know, past few Stanley Cup champions, they all had high draft picks. They all had one, two, three overall picks. And the last time the Ducks had a pick that high, well, Mason McTavish at third, but then Bobby Ryan back in back in the uh, Sidney Crosby, <laughs> Sidney Crosby lottery draft. So you know, at this stage in this rebuild, you know, it's it's a painful process as a fan, but it's one of those things that, you know, you got to go through. But um, did anyone expect them to be this bad? No, not this bad, because on paper, they really shouldn't be this bad. 
but just night in and night out, you just look at some of the games they've played. And for the longest time, up until probably the holidays, and even then, like the power play, just some of the line combinations, it's just like these guys look like it's training camp and they're still learning to get in, get to know each other here. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, the rest of the league is taking off, like figuring their stuff out, and the Ducks are still, you know, seems like back in September. So I think you can attribute it to a lot of things. Uh, but yeah. It is, yeah, it, it's weird because I just, I didn't, I expected them to not make the playoffs, but I, I thought they would take a step forward because, you know, I, I did a look ahead on my Thursday episode and, and you know, Adam Henry, Trevor Zegers, Ryan Strome, Frank Petrano, Mason McTavish, Max Jones, that's a good top six. Like, yeah. I don't think it's among the best in the league, but you can win a lot of games, I feel like, with that top six. Like, even your third line with Comtois, who I think should be uh, garnering some trade interest at the deadline. You know, Loderstrom, Jakob Silverberg, who's still kicking. That's a decent top nine. It's just crazy how, you know, this year has gone. And, you know, I think we're going to get more into the trade stuff um, coming up just right after this commercial break as we segue into this. But, you know, b- before we do that, you know, this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download that app right now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. They also let you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will even score a touchdown. <clears throat> one more time for you all. Who I like, bets I like here. Give me the Eagles money line. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. They've been the best team in the league all year. I don't trust Patrick Holmes fully against that Eagles defense. And if there's a prop bet maybe for Jalen Hurts to throw for over 200 yard plus yards, I also like that one as well. It's all an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports partner of the NFL. All right, we're back here in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes. That is Annie um, from Zuck's Twitter and just a content creator overall for the NHL. So trade deadlines in three weeks, Annie. Saw a couple of deals already. Bo Horvat to the Islanders. Vladimir Tarasenko to the New York Rangers. Metro teams trying to get better while Ron Hextall is probably just still sleeping away in his cave with all the polar bears up north. Um, they're just <laughs> not having a good time. He's just not having a good time right now. He's he's, he's taking a nap. Um, but the Ducks, I think they're going to be pretty busy at this deadline. And they have a player, Any, you know, we've discussed this on Twitter. Adam <laughs> Henrique is someone who I think would make a lot of sense for the Penguins, 33 years old. Third line center, Jeff Carter is not doing it anymore. Has almost 20 goals this season. Decent underlying numbers. Explain to the audience here why you think he would be a good fit and just, you know, why you think he'd be a good fit for any team acquiring him this this offseason. I mean, I just look at his performance this entire season. It really feels like, and he's a guy that's really gotten a lot of heat the last few seasons for really not living up to his, you know, five and a half million dollar contract hit, which I would say, you know, up until at this point, especially as of recently, he is very well, <laughs> very well living up to that hype. But I mean, the man's found his scoring touch again. Once the if he once he gets going, he and we saw it in his early days in New Jersey. The guy's an elite, elite hockey player, and obviously not, you know, not we're not talking like top 
top 10 or anything like that. But he's a guy that can be on your line, can generate scoring chances, can get the puck in the net. I mean, for a team that needs offense, for a team that needs depth in that bottom six, I think he's a perfect fit. Then those are the guys that you need going into a playoff run. Those are the guys that you need for to win Stanley Cups too. And when you have – obviously, maybe you – when you're trying to fit like a bottom six kind of character, you're not looking at a guy like Adam Henrique, but having an Adam Henrique in your bottom six certainly isn't going to hurt. So it's, it'll be interesting to see like what kind of return and what kind of price tag that Pat Verbeek is going to put on him. I think the Vladimir Tarasenko deal is interesting to look at and kind of where you're evaluating kind of what kind of value you put on like a, first round a first round pick going into this season most likely lottery protected in case you know worst comes to worst for a lot of teams but oh my gosh if you're in need of offense of any kind I'd be giving the Ducks a call because there's guys ready to even Max Comtois I think would be a great you know bottom six guy for a lot of teams um we also got some plentiful of defensemen that could be on the move so the Ducks will in fact be very busy because honestly Pat Verbeek hasn't done all that much this season in terms of acquisitions uh which kind of tells you that he's kind of buying in on the direction of the team just kind of sinking to the bottom I think the only thing the last the last transaction I remember is picking up Jason Magna off waivers uh Pittsburgh Penguins former prospect Jason Magna (laughs) I remember watching him at it's funny I remember being in college and watching him like the Penguins training camp that they have and they bring all the young guys out too and like it was him Scott Harrington who's now with the with the uh San Jose Sharks and Bo Bennett, who is no longer in the NHL. And if you could tell me out of those three that Bo Bennett would be the one that's not playing in the NHL or had the shortest NHL career, like everyone would have told you you were nuts, which is, it's just crazy. You just never know like how somebody's career could go. And part of that, obviously the guy, he's like that guy in SpongeBob, like the glass bones and paper skin, like just he, the man breathes and he like breaks a, breaks a rib or something. So I don't know. It's funny how times change, man. <laughs> but it I know really, that- no, the Bo Bennett situation. Yeah, he the guy got hurt celebrating for God's sake. <laughs> it's just, I felt I feel so bad for him and all that. But yeah, that was going to lead into my next question. And you know, it seems like the Ducks are going to be pretty active, and I think they're going to get yeah. a lot of calls for a good chunk of players. Would assume um, John Klingberg is on that list too. You said Comtois, Adam Henrique. You know. Kevin Shattenkirk, maybe if I had to guess, you know, who, who do you okay. think is going to definitely be gone by this year's deadline? And speaking of that, again, the Penguins and Ducks have a history of trading with each other. The most recent one with Ricard Raquel, who will make his return to the Honda center. I think that's probably going to be a pretty emotional thing. I'll, we'll get to that in just a second, but you know, if you had to guess right now, who do you think is off this team in a few weeks? You know, uh, I do think Klingberg's gone. That's that's a guarantee. Um, I don't think it'll be the return that Ducks fans want or anticipate. I don't think he's played to the level of a first-round pick this season. He has definitely found his groove more uh, in the last few weeks. I think part of that is like, hey, you want to get out of here, man, right? You got to play a little better. So, But, uh, you know, and also, you know, he plays all his time in Dallas and he's coming in, you know, trying to figure out a new system. You know, everyone is kind of, hyping up that he was going to be on a pair with Jamie Drysdale. And of course he goes down, you know, late October for the season, but definitely think he's gone. Uh, I could see Kevin Shattenkirk going. I mean, you, for anyone that needs, you know, a, a second, third pairing defenseman, 
uh, going into the playoffs. I mean, the guy's got cup experience. The guy's got playoff experience. I don't see I don't, if you're if you're in need of a defenseman, I don't see why you wouldn't be knocking on Kevin Shattenkirk's door. I also think Anthony Stolarz, our backup goalie, might be on the move uh, for a team that just needs some some backup assistance. I, he won't be. I, yeah, I wouldn't be starting him for the Stanley Cup playoffs. But listen, if you need a goalie, we've got Lukas Dostal down in San Diego. He is NHL ready, and he's going to come up. He'll be he'll back up Gibby next year, and you know at this point Stolarz is a free agent come next year. Might as well get something for him. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely see him being on the move. Adam Henrique, it it would depend. I think it would depend on how much salary uh, Verbeek is willing to retain on that deal. Because uh, for a lot of cup contending teams, of course, with the hard cap, you know, you're limited in so many options for players that you can you can acquire there. So, I mean, I don't know if he's willing to go 50, but, you know, I mean, at that rate, the Ducks have a lot of cap space, too. And with Klingberg uh, off off the books, which they'll retain Klingberg for sure. They'll retain at least 50 percent because he's a rental. It'll go off the books next. It'll go off the books come the off season. So, hey, you know. No, that's what the GM's jobs are for, though. You kind of negotiate there and figure out, you know, how much salary retained and all that. Like, I know for um, – I can't remember if it, they did it for Raquel, but I know for Lindholm, when they sent uh, Hampus to Boston, they retained 50% of his salary, too. Um, Kulikov, I know, has generated a little, little bit of talks uh, around the league. And, of course, Max Comtois, which is so funny because I remember Max Comtois, it was after the it was after the COVID season. And, um, you know, he was the Ducks' leading scorer, Ducks, you know, leading, which doesn't say much. They were terrible that year and literally dead last in every offensive category. But people were saying when the Ducks were in the conversation for Jack Eichel, they were like, oh, Max Comtois is off the table. Like, don't touch him. I'm like, really? that's who you're that's who you're protecting like you're you're not worried about Zegers and Drysdale like you're more worried about Max Comtois really but no I definitely think he could he could generate some interest uh but it'll be I mean he'll be busy and I'll be shocked I mean not to say obviously there's people that you know are not going to get traded on traded on the team but I I wouldn't be surprised if there were maybe a few uh a few surprise players that are gone, but I imagine Verbeek's trying. I mean, as your new GM, as you're rebuilding, you want to stock up on draft picks. You want to, you know, get as much, get as much capital back as you can when you're trying to rebuild a hockey club. So I imagine he will be booked and busy and down. Even last year, he was like a week out. I think the Lindholm trade was a few days before the deadline. And then of course the Raquel trade came right at the deadline. So he'll be busy from now until until what is it three o'clock three o'clock well three o'clock here i think it's you know three or four o'clock and you know you know speaking of that yep again ricardo raquel makes his return to anaheim for this game his first time back since the trade really and you know i I feel like it's gonna be a probably pretty emotional scene for him you know he's there his whole career a lot of great moments um i would have to think he's gonna get a tribute video if the ducks do that for some um some of of their players they do um no just when you think of Ricard Raquel, you know, just you know, Penguins fans obviously love the fit that he's brought, you know, to this team, whether it's with Malkin, whether it's with Crosby, he's been one of the most consistent wingers this season. You know, when you think of Ricard, um, you know, just what comes to mind for you just because he was a member for the Ducks for so long? I mean, the number 67, I can't think of. I mean, the fact that, you know, the Ducks have this this weird rule. I don't know if the penguins do too, but like where they give the young guys high numbers and you have to like earn your way down to like a lower number. And the fact that 
<laughs> Raquel felt so attached to 67 that he kept it throughout his career. But like, it was just, I don't know, something about that just always struck me. But I always appreciate it, even though he was, you know, infected by injuries for a bit. But like, even after he had that peak, I think it was 2014, eh, maybe 20, I, I got to look it up. I'm, I'm going to, it's going to bother me, but that really peak high season he had. And, you know, every, you could tell it definitely bothered him and the team that like, he really never got back to 2018. That's what I was, why did I say 2014? He was rookie that year, but, um, you know, where he had over 30 goals that year and really kind of was, Hey, is this, was this the peak Ricard Raquel? But he came to this, he kept coming in every day and kept, you know, putting up just insane highlight goals and loved, you could tell he just loved the community. He was very involved with the team, very involved with the fans, loved the fan base. Uh, so it's just, it was a guy, you always feel that way about guys that you've drafted and you've seen grow up in the organization. Yeah. So it'll definitely be an emotional moment for uh, a lot of for a lot of us uh, in that building and seeing you know the applause and uh, seeing him return back to Anaheim. So, but I'm so thrilled for him getting the opportunity to play with guys like Crosby and Malkin, you know, night in and night out, and you know, have a chance. I, I love when duck when these guys, these talented guys, leave the Ducks and the state this organization is in now and they just shine and they're put with talented players where they can showcase their potential. So, or not their potential, excuse me, their talent as well. So all, you know, as much as it hurts not seeing them in ducks uniforms anymore, it's even better that they're flying off elsewhere. Pun intended. Yeah. Well, penguins obviously can't fly, but you know, he's (laughs) been great overall since the acquisition. I wasn't big on the contract that he signed at the time. Just thought the years in the term, but the years in in the AAV was a little high, but you know, he's proven me wrong in a big way. He has been awesome for them this season. He is the better fit with Crosby and Gensel. I'm just a great playmaker, wonderful shot. He deserves to be on that top power play unit and, you know, it's been a match made in heaven ever since, um, they acquired him, but you know, that wraps up the second segment coming up to end the show. We are going to get into our keys for each team to win the game. And then I think we'll get a prediction. That's all coming up right after this commercial break. All right. We're back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am Hunter Hodes. That is Annie over there um, from the duck from ducks Twitter. So in Annie, you know, Big game for the Penguins here, especially. I know for the Ducks, you know, they're, most of their fans probably want them to keep losing for Connor Bedard. But <laughs> for the Penguins, it's a team that's been really struggling as of late. They got a big win, though, against the Colorado Avalanche on Tuesday. Come from behind win. They did not deserve those two points. They probably should have lost in regulation. Casey DeSmith was awesome. I expect him to start in this one. Tristan Jari getting close. Probably not there yet. Earliest I think he'll play is Saturday, if not then. Definitely next Tuesday when they go to San Jose before they come back to Long Island to play the Islanders. But um, when you look at this one, what would you say the main keys are for the Ducks to come out with the win? Because they almost did it last time when John Gibson was playing out of his mind. Well, that's going to be a key for this game. Gibby's got to stand on his head. Um, And the defense has obviously got to somehow figure out a way to shut down those two top lines for the Penguins. Uh, Obviously, that's... One, you know, as bad as the Ducks' offense has been, the Ducks' defense has somehow been even more atrocious this entire season. Whereas, you know, even in in the last five games where they've gone four zero and one, 
you know, just guys left unopened, just not really communicating well. The, you know, the Ducks defense just really not knowing what they're doing, all crowding in one spot. Like it just, it seems very discombobulated there. Um, but honestly, and you know, the Ducks obviously coming off a pretty similar game. Uh, obviously, it's you're not they didn't beat the Stanley Cup, defending Stanley Cup champions. They did two weeks ago, but uh, they did they you know taken the Chicago Blackhawks down in overtime in a game that they probably should not have won to begin with, and was pretty boring to watch mostly overall. But their two games uh, up until the Frank Fortano overtime winner came from the fourth line, so we're seeing some scoring opportunities coming from all four lines, and hopefully get to see a little bit of more of that. And depending on the health of Troy Terry, if he's going to be in, he didn't practice today. So I'm going to lean towards the fact that he's not going to be in the lineup and definitely try, you know, guys need to step up and create those opportunities and create those scoring chances that he's done such a good job of doing so, so far this season. So those would be probably be my big three takeaways. Oh, and the penalty kills keep still keep doing their thing. They were able to shut down. I mean, despite losing against the stars, able to shut down that top, that's the top 10 power play in the league. We're able to shut down, I think five power play opportunities. And, you know, hopefully Mason, uh, one, I love Mason McTavish, but the one thing I will say about him is he takes a lot of dumb penalties. So <laughs> kind of embody a little bit more of that. Troy Terry, Troy Terry is very good at drawing penalties. So maybe take a look, take a couple notes from him and uh, not do stupid things to get you in the box and let the penguins power play go to work. So. Well, that unit has struggled, struggled. Um, well, I shouldn't say a little bit. It struggled a good <laughs> this season. It's just been very inconsistent. Anything with Sidney Crosby makes me nervous. All right. <laughs> you just no, and, and no, it, that's very fair. You know, the, the talent that they can put out on that power play is very daunting. It's just, it seems like the penalty kills these days are so geared up for the Penguins penalty kill. And, and they, they watch the tape on it and they know exactly what to do right away to make it uncomfortable. And yeah. the Penguins just, are not able to adapt to it. It's like they're just allergic to it. And I do think that's a little <laughs> bit of a key. Yeah, it's it's really weird. I, I do not get it. And I do think it's a little bit of a key in this one. The power play has to be a bit better. I didn't really like it against the Avalanche, but they also didn't really have that many opportunities. But also I'll say this, they will just have to do what they did for the most part last time against the Ducks, especially in the third period. They out-attempted them 21 to 5. 77% of the scoring chances, 9-1 to one high danger chance in that third period. Overall for the game at 5v5, the Penguins had 64% of the shot attempts, 64% of the scoring chances, and six, 69, a nice 69% of the high danger chances. And they also had 67% of the expected goals. The fact that it was that close just goes to show how awesome John Gibson was. And I know he hasn't had a good year, but he put on a show in that one and looked like the Gibson of old when I think he was a top five goaltender in the league. So the Penguins... Have to keep peppering Gibson, I think, with a lot of shots. Power play, just the special teams in general, have to be better. The penalty kill has been a little up and down and <clears throat> would have loved to see some depth scoring in this one. It has been just it's an age since we have gotten consistent depth scoring on this team. Jeff Carter has not scored in his last 12 to 14 games. Ditto with Brock McGinn. Teddy Bluger has one goal in the last calendar year. Yes, you heard me right there, Andy. One Jeez. goal. In his last calendar year it is a horrendous third line because very captain he does something once in a blue moon your bottom six offense right now basically comes from ryan peeling and josh archibald it's not good enough and that, <laughs> means, that, that needs to change the reason why they right. win these games is because they usually get good de- decent goaltending and their top six carries them to wins so top six is going to have to be good in this one as well and i also want to see them try and shut down that ducks top six I know they're not a good team, but when you can throw out a top line that has Adam Henry, Trevor Zegers, and Ryan Strom, 
I think you're doing some things right. Max Jones, Mason McTavish, Frank Petrano, Penguin Killer Frank Petrano, I should say. I know it didn't work last time. I will say it again. If you bet on hockey, you go to FanDuel, circle Frank Petrano as an anytime goal scorer. He scores almost every time against the <laughs> Go back to his Bruins days. Go back to his Panthers days. Go back to his Rangers days in the playoffs. Seemed like every game he was getting a goal <laughs> in this one. So that's what we're looking for. Also, please start the game on time. They have been horrendous at starts. It's really weird to see too. They'll, they'll play like utter garbage for the first period, bleeds into the second period, and then, oh, they'll wake up a little bit in the third period. That's exactly what happened against the Avalanche on Tuesday, Andy. They played yeah. like absolute crap for 40 minutes. They were lucky to be only be down one, and then they turn on in the third period, and, and it looks like a completely different team. And it's like, why aren't we getting this for a full 60 minutes here? It's just something is maybe getting lost in the message from Mike Sullivan, who was one of the best coaches in the league. And, of course, better defensive awareness. This team has been a poor defensive team throughout the last couple of months now. And they've been fairly healthy for the most part since Jeff Petrie and Crystal Tang got back. The only one they're missing right now is Jan Ruda, and he's probably less than a week away from returning as well. So that's what I'm really looking for in this one. You know, because they got that win against the Avalanche, you got to get at least four out of six points on this California part of the road trip. You play two of the worst teams in hockey. I know they've played you tough the last couple of weeks. You have to bank those points. The game against the Kings, that's going to be the tough one to me because you're playing on a back-to-back. They're one of the best teams in the Pacific, but you got to beat the Ducks and you got to beat the Sharks. There's just no excuse because then you go to Long Island to play the Islanders, another tough game. You know, four out of six points is what I'm looking for with this trip. Um, you know, if you, do you have anything to add for your keys or do you want to just make a prediction on what you think is going to happen? I was going to say that's pretty, I mean, I won't say, <laughs> I don't think they'll come out of the road trip. Maybe eh, I could see, I was going to say thinking about the, you know, kind of the road trip coming up ahead for the penguins. I know that's one, I don't know. It's funny that, you know, everyone you used to go into like California road trips and it, back when the, all the sharks, the Kings and the ducks were all like playoff contenders, top yeah. of the West, like, you were lucky to get out of there with two or three points. And now people are like, Hey, we want four, four, at least, at least four, exactly. <laughs> four to six of them. Plus, I mean, the LA night, you've got, you've got like Dustin Brown's retirement night. You've got the statue unveiling. There'll be, I mean, there'll be emotions there, you know, with the former captain, uh, in the building too. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Those, if you're, if you're a team coming in, you're a team that's fighting for a playoff spot. You can't be losing to the sharks. You can't be losing to the ducks, despite how both oh, well, the sharks got absolutely spanked tonight. But uh, I mean, they took, they took down Tampa Bay recently. I think they, I can't remember what exactly. I know they beat the lightning. I think they came back. Yeah, You're right. The sharks actually did just beat the lightning down in Tampa. So they actually yeah. are playing some better hockey as of late, I mean, heck, you know, they just beat the Penguins six to four in Pittsburgh. Granted, yeah. Casey DeSmith did not look that good in that game, and Logan Couture went off, but still, you know, they they took it to the Penguins in that game, and um, I don't think it's going to be a layup, but still, those are two games that you're playing against bad teams, teams that are tanking. You're in the playoff race. You got to win them. Yeah, you, you, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if the Ducks, honestly, their chances at Bedard go out the window just given overtime losses. Like the amount of times that they have just gone to overtime, and you're like, okay, the thanks for the point. Like when you're a tanking hockey club, like the wins, like the big wins, like those feel good. But like you know, like whomping on the Coyotes, I'm like, really? 
<laughs> really? Like, this doesn't feel good. Like, I don't like this. Yeah, yeah Luz, that, that uh, although, and the Blackhawks, I feel like, just, yeah. Exactly. That's why, like, personally, just for me remembering 2015, like, beating the Blackhawks is always just a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling, especially given that they're just a trash organization, too. Um, but... <laughs> I'm not wrong. Uh, <laughs> but as well, even like now, given, you know, the, this, this newfound rivalry between the Coyotes, like th- those wins are nice, but there's also, you're looking at the standings. You're like, okay, this really doesn't, it's not helping the case for Bedard, but with this draft, you know, you're, you're, if we land anywhere in the top three or four, I'll be pleased. Would like Bedard, would like Mason McTavish to have his, his buddy back yeah. with him in Anaheim. Uh, but I don't know. There's, uh, there was like this poll out of people where fans would want Connor Bedard to land. And majority obviously said they didn't want him in Chicago, but a good amount of people were, were good with him being in Anaheim. But I don't know. So many people have the take where it's like, Oh, I want him on an original six team. And I just, I, I roll my eyes to the back of my head so hard. Like magic. Like, I just think he, a guy like him would do so well, like not do not do so well. Well, do so well, but like would do so much for the game and the growth of it. If it were, if he ended up in Anaheim, if he ended up in Columbus, if he ended up in, oh my god, if he ends up in Arizona, the the NHL, my uh, god, fans will implode. Twitter will implode if the Coyotes end up with the first overall pick. Oh man, yeah, just especially after they they play in that college arena, it's just Mullet Arena, I mean, baby. <laughs> hey, it is. It does look like a pretty cool arena. I, I do want to potentially check out a game there but yeah. last thing before i let you go any who wins this game and give me a final score it's it's tough to say i don't think it'll be a blowout i do think mm. it'll be a close game um i'm gonna go give me three to two ducks okay in regulation interesting in a regulation win regulation for the ducks which i don't want to do overtime i can't do overtime again like i am over <laughs> i'm gonna go in the opposite direction i do think it's gonna be close though um i'm actually gonna go the same as last, um well, i won't go the same as last time i think it's gonna be three to two going down to the final minute and mr empty net jake Ensel is gonna get that one to make it four two but it's gonna be a close one i do think the penguins win it it's going to be maybe a little bit ugly. Casey Smith gets to start. You have to hope that he stays as consistent as he did from that Colorado game. Probably won't because he stood on his head and he's just been very up and down all year. But yeah. I do think the Penguins will win this one and they'll go into um, Crypto.com Arena feeling good about themselves as Dustin Brown will be honored for that game and they'll be playing a really good Feel Kings good team. about themselves whooping down on the Ducks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they'll take the points. Anyway, take they can take get the me. two points. Take the two points, especially with how close that, how close the East is. I get it. I get it. Yeah, it is. It is not like last year. Um, that's no. for sure. But that's how I see it. A four-two win for the Penguins. Um, and I, I think, that. Andy, that I think I don't really have anything else for you. This was a ton of fun to do. I'm glad we were able to do it for the final matchup of the season before they'll play again uh, next season. But for those that do not follow you on social media, where can everyone uh, see you in your wonderful content? Uh, I am on all social media platforms at Sweet Annie OD. Um, talk a lot of hockey, mostly Ducks hockey, but league wide too. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. TikTok's probably where I, I spend a lot of my time. Uh, Twitter too. But yeah, that's base. That's where you can find me. Uh, love interacting with anybody. Obviously, I have a soft, special spot in my heart. Uh, for the Yinzers and Pittsburgh and, <laughs> and Penguins fans in general. So uh, love interacting, love chatting with you guys. So, yeah. 
yeah, please go follow her. She does great stuff. And yes, she does try to watch as many. She tries to watch as many Penguins games as she can. Just because I do try. I, I do. I do my best whenever there are. It's definitely one where I circle it. I'm like, all right. Like if it's before a Ducks game, I'll, I'll click that one, especially if they're playing a good team. I'm like, all right. Yeah. yeah. It's the way to do it. That's for sure. And um, this should be a fun game. 10 o'clock start time. Get your coffee ready if you're a little older. Get your alcohol beverages if you're a little younger. Should be a fun one. Game will end at 1230. You're not doing anything on Saturday morning. You can stay up a little bit. Same thing for Saturday against the Kings. I'll have a special Saturday episode with Jason J.D. Hernandez of Locked on Ducks to recap that game. And then I'll look ahead also to the game against the Los Angeles Kings for that special episode. And then we'll recap that game on Mondays. The Penguins will head up to uh, San Jose slash Santa Clara to take on the Sharks, which is right where near where the 49ers play. So that is it for this one. Hope you enjoy listening and watching it. And I'll talk with you all um, for a special Saturday episode with Jason J.D. Hernandez.